When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning or afternoon, everybody. <laughs> I'm still used to being on a seven. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I don't have any great uh, quotes today. Uh, there's plenty of them out there. I just didn't see one that just, uh, you know, floated my boat. So we'll just go directly to, hey, my webpage. You know, if you go to WHK1420 and go to their webpage and go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes' Smart Investor Show, uh, you can go directly to my webpage. And there's a lot of good stuff on there that you can get. There's a contact me button right up at the top. Uh, also, uh, some people complained that Bob Dickey uh, was not up to date. Uh, Bob does is our technical analysis uh, head head technician. He's he's really good at what he does, I think. Uh, and it wasn't updating every day, so I, my apologies to everybody. It is now. Um, also, insights. You got to go there. There's some good. There's some really good stuff on oil, and I've got a bit to say about oil today. And uh, I, I thought it was. It was fairly, there's an interview with uh, one of our analysts, and he has a, a very inter- interesting viewpoint on what's going on out there, okay? Also, uh, you can get the family inventory workbook from there. We have a business owner's guide to transferring uh, ownership. We have our Savvy Investor's Credit Handbook. You know, if you do, credit, you know, leverage, that's why home ownership is so important. Because you're using leverage. That's how you make your money, okay? Uh, don't forget, we also have Ken McKay, who uh, is one of the best biotech analysts on the planet, being interviewed by Janet Engels. We also have some stuff on the CARE Act, and uh, it's all an insight, so you can get sit there and just read it all down. Uh, if you want to um, contact me, talk about something, uh, you know, hit the contact button. I, I will say that, you know, we, we're having a special uh, – uh, program this week where we're going to talk about some things that I've been talking about in the show, but we're going to go into more detail. And I think it'd be a great piece, but uh, it's limited engagements only. So uh, I've only got a few people involved. And uh, actually, I just started telling people about it, I think Thursday or Friday. So might be a few more Monday, uh, but it'll be next week. Uh, you might be able to get on, but I, I probably suggest that uh, I get, you know, I'm only uh, giving it to a few people. So there we go. Um, so, WHK1420, if you want to have a conversation on the telephone, I believe my telephone number's on there. You can hit the contact me, email me, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll take it from there. You know, I, I've been trying to be positive, very, very positive during this uh, uh, crisis that we've been going through. It's my first pandemic. I'm sure it's your first pandemic. Let's hope it's our last. But just a couple things, the, you know, uh, some positive thoughts. Florida's boost COVID-19 uh, testing. Now, everybody thought DeSantis was crazy, but you know what he did? He went to all the old folks' homes. Uh, you know, this is a disease. This is a virus that that preys on the weak, the people with COPD, the older folks, the people that are diabetics, uh, that type of thing. And he went right to them and started trying to fix that first. And I think I think it was a great idea. I, I think he and DeWine are doing a great job. Uh, Massachusetts, you know, Charlie Baker, the governor, announced a steady decline in, in uh Coronavirus hospitalizations and, and a drop in new positive uh, COVID-19 cases. That's great. Ireland, number of COVID patients in ICU falls below 100 for the first time. Germany reported the lowest number of new uh, coronavirus infections and deaths since March 30th. Italy, about 4.5 million Italians are returning to work Monday. Wow. Pharma... Uh, Giant Roach gets go-ahead for COVID antibody testing. Uh, Fauci calls Gilead's new uh, product, uh, Remiziris, a, a drug trial. Very good news. Pfizer begins their vaccine trial. Moderna, uh, Moderna starts theirs on human people, 60 people next week. The number of coronaviruses in Austria dropped from 90 to 10 cases per 1 million two weeks after the government required face masks. How's that? All right, so... Some interesting stuff going on there, and uh, very positive. Now, 
Look, we had a great uh, uh, call this week, and I thought I'd pass it on to you. And I keep uh, professing wealth plans. But before I do that, i got to remember, this is a live show. If you have questions, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Look, we talk about wealth plans, and wealth plans and Social Security go together. Why do I like our wealth plan? Because it's interactive. So when things like what we just went through happen, we can start adjusting things right away. We don't have to, you know, fill out paperwork. It's on your machine. It's on your your laptop. It's on your handheld. And when you do something, I see it right away. So we can have a conversation. We can, you know, we can talk about it. So the Social Security Trustees reported uh, report was released recently, and some important things to note in the weeks after the report is released every year. There's there's typically an endless cascade of headlines that often trigger fear in retirement and retirees and and, uh, near retirees. The report does not consider the impact of the current pandemic. This is most likely it will have a negative impact, trust me on that. But since the projections are based on 75-year actuarial horizons, it's not going to have near as large as many people think, okay? This this year's report says roughly the same thing as last year's report, and it projected trust fund depletion across the combined funds is essentially the same as last year. There will likely be changes to Social Security at some point, but they are less likely to impact people over 60. Uh, For example, in in 1983, the trust fund expected to be exhausted that same year. At that time, changes were made, all right, uh, that everyone over 30, okay? Even if the trust fund is exhausted in 2035, like they're saying, uh, there is no requirement that benefit payments be reduced. In a worst-case scenario, benefits would be funded out of general revenue, all right? In wealth plan, we already assume more conservatively than the rate of increase for Social Security benefits will be lower than the general rate of inflation and lower than Social Security's own benefit increase projections. So we're we're already taking that step forward. How about that, huh? So I just want you to, you know, I, I mentioned that simply because everybody's getting their statements now, and, and we go from there. Now, we did have uh, a new report out that I, I thought was uh, just a dynamite, and it's it's from our analyst, uh, Mitch Steves, who's a semiconductor analyst. And, I, you know, he talked about his top five picks, which you're not going to hear on this show. Sorry, folks, but uh, it's the way it goes. Uh, and, you know, but he did talk about a couple things. Look, Europe has the bond markets have had a net outflow outflow of 20 to 30 billion and the fed has just added 4 trillion dollars to the to the the money supply and the government just bailed out you know the the country with another 1.5 smells like socialism to me everybody everybody's a capitalist till they need them right um look stocks are going to get some of the money obviously and you know what he's saying and I think this is really really true is that there's two sectors that really are investable at this point where there's, they're not going to have any trouble with the virus, and that's technology and healthcare. Now, technology is extremely overbought right now. Uh, I'll just say that, in my humble opinion. But, you know, there's the Internet sector, there's the software sector, and the semi-sector. Now, we've talked about the Internet and the software sector several times in the show. But look – the key here is is that the numbers are going up, and the PE ratios are going up because there's zero interest rates, okay? Now, one of the things he talked about uh, is that, you know, if you're looking for places to go, um, the good side of the semiconductors are the global data centers and 5G. The bad side is the consumer side. And that's the personal computer, which most of the personal computer purchases were pulled forward because of the virus and everybody staying at home, and also smartphones. He thinks smartphones are going to have a tough time for the, the next year and a half. Uh, he, industrial, he's neutral on. If you're in automobiles, you want to be in the electric side. There's two companies that do that really well. And then, uh, you know, he, he's talking about um, – 5G and look, uh, there's there's two companies there that are just perfect for 5G, and I'm not going to go into those. Those are non-semiconductor companies. There is one company <clears throat> that makes semiconductors that's perfect for that group, and I'm not telling you that either. 
But there are no cancellations on the infrastructure of 5G. There's no build either. But there are names there that are holding their own, but they're not getting canceled. The orders are not getting canceled for 5G. That's very positive. And also, if if the company does business in the in the medical device group, they're in great shape, okay, for obvious reasons. So now, uh, look, you know, I just mentioned, uh, well, first of all, you know, the bullish percent looks like it rolled over into a column of O's this week uh, on Friday, as a matter of fact, late Friday. Um, and it went it went to 70, as I said, it probably would. And, uh, you know, 70 is the red zone. And usually when you, you, you turn over, uh, there, there's some bouncing around. Usually it takes a while, but usually uh, when you go above 70, you're probably going into the 50s. At least uh, most of the time you go into 40s. Sometimes you go into the 30s. So you, you a heightened sense of awareness. But look, a lot of people are using ETFs and, and we have a, a great portfolio of COVID-based ETFs. What we think, where you should be with ETFs based on the COVID's problem, okay? And I think that's a you know a great idea. I'm not going to de- give you details there, but uh, you can always call us and find that out. But the other thing is a lot of people are using leverage and inverse funds. And look, leverage is, you know, I keep talking about the credit access lending, okay, lines. Uh, credit access lines are very important. Leverage is important when you use it the right way. It's probably why, owner, like I said earlier, why home ownership is often viewed as uh, a place to be, okay? But the other thing is you got to understand these leverage ETFs. They reset every day, okay? So you can make money in them. But you got to be right every day. So I think you got to understand that, and a lot of people don't. And uh, so I'll just leave it at that. Look, the Fed is buying bonds. And something happened back in February that Bob Dickey put out on his thing. I'm surprised he hasn't done it again, but I, you know, maybe he will. But what we had was the bond market was in a triangle pattern. I'm talking about the yield now. And everybody thought because the, uh, the economy was going to such, you know, gung-ho away, that we're going to break out up on interest rates. Interest rates were going to go up, okay? Well, we had the same triangle pattern. And by the way, in February, they broke down, which was the first sign that we were having a problem. And we talked about it the first week of February on this show. And we said, you know, you better be careful. I think we're having an 8 to 10% correction. We were a little bit off on that one, (laughs) a little bit off. Uh, but we didn't know about the coronavirus at that point. We didn't know about the oil problem and et cetera, et cetera. But at least we warned you. I'll just say that. Uh, and, you know, so what we have here is another scenario where, uh, uh, you know, I think you have to pay pretty close attention uh, simply because of the fact that, uh, you know, we're, we're in a situation where, uh, you know, there's – there's more to this than uh, meets the eye, you know what I'm saying. So we're breaking down out of another triangle pattern on the bond yields. And when yields go down, bonds go up. But yields go down because economic activity is not good. Not good. Yet the so there's a there's a the bond market is telling us one thing and the stock market is telling us the other. Just like back in February. Just like back in February. Now, uh, I am I am just going to suggest that the bond market is ten times the size of the stock market, and they sharpen their pencils. And there's no insider information in the bond market. I think the bond market is smarter than the stock market. That's my opinion. So bond yields are breaking down. Is that because the Fed's buying bonds? Is that because we got a problem? Is the buy market, is the the stock market uh, becoming bipolar? I don't know. Uh, But it seems to me, uh, you know, look, uh, Mr. Steve says that PCs and cell phones are not going to do fairly well for the next year or so. Yet those companies are breaking out. Could it be that they're just buying the QQQs and going from there? I don't know. Look. Large cap growth and healthcare, I think, are a great place to be, and I I, I love them and I bought them. Uh, but I also want you to know that 
you know, we do have some stuff going on in the oil business. And, uh, you know, we did see uh, some movement in the oil stocks uh, just coming up here. And I think it's important because oil has gone from dead last in dynamic asset level investing that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with to number two. How's that for a move, huh? Uh, so, you know, here we have a scenario where, uh, you know, we're in a situation where, you know, hey, guys, uh, oil has become, gone into bull confirmed status. And not only oil, but oil services too, all right? So, uh, you know, we're in a situation where a lot of people are, thinking one way, but here oil stocks are making huge moves on a percentage basis. Now they're down a lot. So uh, you have to be paying close attention uh, as to what you're buying and how long you're staying because I don't know how long. Look, there's a lot of oil out there, okay? But when oil went to negative, uh, you know, um, $37 last a week ago Monday, uh, you know, there, there is a problem. Okay, there is a problem. And uh, so you have to be thinking ahead of time, but the, it, it's become number two. So this is the highest rating that oil stocks have had going back to June of 2017 when they made a big run, a big run. Uh, they were number three in the dynamic asset level investing for the rest of the year. So something to think about, all right? Uh, you know, most people are not thinking that way. And I think that uh, it's important that you understand that uh, uh, things are changing, okay? Now, I go back to what I talked about a while back. Value's down in the dumps. Growth is out and outperforming for the longest period of time ever in the history of the stock market. Hey, we'll be right back. Uh, this is the Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, 216 Welcome back, everybody. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And... You know, there's a couple things I've been noticing, and we're going to go over some technical aspects of the market uh, for the next couple of uh, uh, segments. And, you know, I've been – this has been a tough market because, first of all, the bullish percent, which is, you know, normally takes between you know, 22 and 26 weeks to make a move back and forth, has been up and down four times. And like I said, this week it turned down. So it turned up last week and it turned down the week before, which – so we've had four changes in, in it in, in, a, in less than a month, uh, which is making me absolutely crazy because, it, you know, people are waiting for a pullback thesis, okay, uh, me in, included. And uh, right now we're extremely overbought. Uh, so, but I am seeing, uh, you know, some things I like, and, and that is, uh, number one, I'm, I'm seeing the breadth of the market uh, starting to pick up, okay, and that's that's a positive uh, indicator. So we're seeing it, uh, the advanced decline line for the S&P 500, New York Stock Exchange, the mid caps and the small caps all turned up. That's a good sign. Now, they're still down. The other thing we're seeing is a bifurcation in the market. And I think this is important. Uh, you, you know, we're seeing a, uh, well, I like the best way to put it. Look, the QQQs are flat for the year. <clears throat> that's That's a lot, okay? I mean, that's amazing. Um, that's the top 100 stocks in the NASDAQ composite. Uh, the S&P 500 and the Dow Industrials are still down 15%. So it's a bifurcated market. There are some things going up and there's some things are not. Now, <clears throat> look, there's an there's a, um, indicator called ROC. And I'm, you know, if you don't know what it is, you have to look it up. Um, if you've ever wrote, written or read Marty Pring, he's he's very good at what he does. I, his introduction to technical uh, technical analysis and technical analysis explained are dynamite books. Uh, <clears throat> but the ROC, <clears throat> which is a <clears throat> kind of a long term indicator, 
if it falls below the 5% level, it's usually a buy. And we got, uh, you know, like in 2008, it went to minus 40, uh, geez, I think it was minus uh, 50 almost. And in 2003, it got to minus 45. Uh, Now, uh, you know, getting to to minus 10 and bouncing back up is a positive for it. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if it goes, because one of the things, the short-term indicators, uh, if I look, are extremely oversold a month ago, and now they're extremely overbought. So it'll be interesting to see if this turns around. But, uh, you know, if it does, uh, so we have a sell-off and then turns, uh, Marty may be right, and uh, we could be off to the races. So, you know, you, you got to look at stuff like that and, and uh, uh, you know, th- think about it at least for a while. Uh, so, it, you know, he, he is basically saying in so many words that uh, if this turns, uh, you know, the, the V bottom is a hit, okay? So somebody asked me, you know, what are you looking for in your stocks? And I, uh, I, I look for a couple things. I, you know, first of all, I look at the fundamentals, and I, I'm looking for strong growth products uh, prospects in the form of earnings and sales. And it's okay if sales come first and the earnings come later. You know, where there's smoke, there's fire, okay? So if, if you're growing your sales at 25%, but you're still spending the money on getting your, uh, your product out the door, that's okay because earnings will come. Uh, so, you know, that's important. The second thing I think you want to look for for winning stocks is a breakaway gap. Everybody hates to hit buy new highs. But if you get a breakaway gap, and there's been a lot of them, and unfortunately there's been too many of them, it's been hard to pick what, what you're looking for. Uh, that's a very positive thing. And I think the last trait uh, is when you get a gap up in price and it's on heavy volume and it pushes the stock out of a base pattern. That's really important. All right? So those are some of the technical things I'm looking for. But the fundamental thing is we're looking for strong growth and earnings. And I, I've got quite a few of those uh, showing up, okay? So, um, so uh, I've been asked a, c- a couple times, um, you know, oh, shoot, hold on here. Um, live TV, uh, you know, your, your stuff doesn't work all the time. Uh, you, know, wh- where, you know, what are you thinking about? Uh, where are you going? You know, that type of thing. And, and uh, I think there's some really important things that you have to be thinking about. And uh, I've got to find my piece of paper now because my computer's doing weird things. But uh, the, uh, the important stuff that I'm seeing is uh, mostly, well, the, the challenge for May is, is a, it's usually a pivotal month for equities, not because of the, the seasonality debate, but given the S&P is between two important bands of uh, support. And so it's at its 200-day moving average. And it has resistance that it's 15 uh, months moving average. So, you know, the bull bear lines are now in place is what I'm trying to say. I, I think the bottom line is we've had a very impressive rebound. Fewer stocks are, are timely uh, at this point. Um, you know, I think, you know, rates and oil, uh, look, there, there's a risk off reversal that you, the 10 year rates continue to hold key downside levels. But they've now broken, you know, we've broken down below the 0.7 mark. So we would break out over 0.9, we'll say. Uh, and, and But oil, uh, interestingly enough, despite the, the, the week's risk-off uh, scenario, oil rallied. And, I, you know, that's interesting. So, so we have this thing where at the, we're at the 200-day moving average on the S&P, and we got the 15-month moving, the 48-month moving average, 200-week. And the 15 months uh, as, is our resistance. So that's kind of interesting. The other thing is uh, the daily, you know, which was uh, pretty overbought, is, is now uh, slowly but surely turning the other direction. So be, uh, you know, we're hitting, we're, we're, we're moving up, but not all stocks are participating. There's a lot of stocks selling off, which is interesting. And then we had the, you know, the VIX, which broke out, broke down, then broke out again. So uh, it, you know, it, I feel like Linda Blair a little bit. My head's uh, turning around. But if we look growth versus value, uh, growth is, you know, is definitely intact. And uh, nobody wants anything to do with value. And I think that's partly because people like BlackRock are going to this environmental, social, governance stuff. Uh, so uh, I've never seen value stocks this cheap before. 
The other thing we're seeing is high beta versus low volatility. High beta is picking up. That is usually not the case in the summer. Low volatility does much better. So high beta has broken out. You know, it, it could pull back, but there's a there's a, it's broken from a double top, so it'll probably pull back to there. Uh, we'll see what happens. I don't see anything in the international markets that are making me happy. The relative strength compared to the S&P 500 is nowhere to be found. So, um, you know, they, they were turning up right before this all happened, and we'll see what happens. But, look, we do have this triangle pattern in the 10-year note, and, uh, you know, that, that looks a little bit dangerous uh, as far as I'm concerned. Crude oil futures – and they're recovering back into the $19.20 resistance band. So I don't think they're going anywhere, but I think, you know, uh, it's something to think about. The established outperformance is the QQQ and the Russell growth uh, as, as far as uh, that's, you know, concerned. But, you know, we're seeing uh, communication service sector starting to establish outperformance. Uh, also FinTech and uh, technology, obviously, and also healthcare. Um, so it's very important that you, you understand where the leadership is, and uh, that's where it is. So keep that in mind. You know, I, I was looking, and uh, there are a lot of names in this COVID, you know, idea list. And there are a lot of different sectors that you can work with. So it's not just uh, – I mean, it's, it's some of the names don't make sense to me, but healthcare is important. But healthcare outside of COVID is working, too. Now, I don't think, you know, uh, if you're doing elective surgery, you know, you're having a knee done or you're, you're having, uh, uh, you know, uh, a um, hip implant or something like that, that's not going to happen for a while, okay? But there are other drug companies that are doing well within that sector and, uh, or with, you know, that are doing great, and they're outside of COVID. And that's important. Now, the companies inside COVID are doing great, but Seattle Genetics, which is a big holy of mine, you know, was 120 12 days ago. It's at 160. Okay, made a huge move. And it's all about cancer and breast cancer and bladder cancer and winning a patent. <laughs> okay, so uh, there's stuff outside there. So I think the healthcare sector and the tech sector is where I'd concentrate. Uh, if I was a trader, I might look at oil. Okay, so those are the places I'd be looking. Uh, now, don't forget, if you have any questions on this or would like to talk to me, go to WHK1420, go to local podcasts, down to Tim Hayes Smart Investor Show, go over to my webpage, and there's a contact me. While you're there, you know, we do have insights. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff on the insights page, good information that you do, and you can do Bob Dickey, also the technical analysis, which is very important. But if you'd like to contact me, have a conversation, talk about things, uh, had a great conversation with, with two or three people last week. Uh, I don't think <laughs> I think they have a, a a wonderful viewpoint on things. Let's put it that way. I thought it was uh, highly high, highly interesting talking to them, and they're they're very wonderful people. Uh, in, in the meantime, you know, uh, we'll be right back with the bullish percent. Stay tuned. He was looking for the place called Lee Hole Fox. Gonna get a big dish of We're going to talk about the bullish percent in a second here, but uh, once again, this is a live show. You got a question: two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Technology has um, been dominant, and uh, you wonder: is it that easy? Okay, that's the first thing I think about because normally the stock market doesn't. You know, when it comes that easy, you got to start thinking about it. But you know, I was looking at. Uh, dynamic asset level investing. Our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us with uh, what we call the five for five portfolio, where companies that meet all five technical attributes that they're looking for. <clears throat> and, you know, you look at the, the largest of that sector, 47% of the market cap of the five for five portfolio is technology. And that starts to, you know, that makes me wonder, you know, I mean, they're going to leave forever or, or something going to change. And um, you never know, but I still think about, you know, in the back of my head, if I were out there, and I, I'm not saying go out and buy these things because you want to stay with leadership, but 
value is the lowest level I've ever seen it in, in my history of, uh, in, in the business. And growth is way above where it was in 2000, uh, which caused some aches and pains later on. But anyway, uh, we talked about the bullish percent on this uh, show, and it's been kind of a wild uh, ride for the bullish percent in the last month. And what the bullish percent is a risk monitor. And what it says to you is when everybody's bearish, you should be bullish. And when everybody's bullish, you should be bearish. Okay. And uh, so it's, it's, it was a, designed by a protege of Charles Dow. And what it was is a point and figure chart, which is what Mr. Dow used to do. And uh, by the way, Bernard Baruch and uh, a bunch of other people. <clears throat> and it just goes from zero to 100. When we get over 70, it's the red zone. We were just there. We were just there. Okay. When we get below 30, it's the green zone. We were just there back in March. Uh, the green zone is where everybody's crying in their beer. I mean, I had people selling out at five on the, on the bullish percent, one of the lowest levels I've ever seen in my career. And I told them not to do it. I told them not to do it, but is there money? All right. Now we're at 70 and I, I had, I have to hold people back from buying. Now we just turned down. Remember that. So, uh, there we go. So we're in X. We were in X's at 70. We're now at O's at 67. Got to be careful now. Okay, that's my opinion. Now, what I didn't see was the over-the-counter index, which is at 51, was up just uh, you know 0.1 percent, uh, and I didn't see any change in that, which is interesting. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens uh, with that, but. Uh, the world index stayed in the column of X's, but it's very close to turning down. It's at 46.2. It will turn down to 44. So you got to be careful about that. But uh, so two of the three major bullish percent indicators were in positive. Uh, the positive trend indicators moved higher over the week too. That's that's a that's a positive. But you, look, I, I just want you to understand. You got to be thinking about when we go. One of the toughest times in the bullish percent history is when we go over 70 and reverse down. Now, sometimes we go over 70 and you stay there for a month, two months, six months, seven, you know, seven months we were over there uh, back, oh boy, I think it was 1998. And then it turns down and uh, 2000 happened. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm telling you to be careful. I'm telling you to keep your, your head up, okay? So doesn't mean you can't buy things. There are still things that are down. You know, biotechnology and healthcare was at a 10% discount to the market in February. It's still at a 5% discount. Something tells me that healthcare workers, God bless them, the doctors are going to become the heroes, just like the firemen and the policemen were back in 9-11, as they should be, by the way, you know. Uh, and something tells me that the Democratic Party is not, and whoever's been saying that healthcare is out to lunch and they're no good. Hey, we're living longer. You know, we're living 25 years longer than we were just 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Okay. Something tells me that healthcare is going back to 20% premium. So be careful, you know, think about that. But energy was the spotlight group of the, of the week or two weeks. They went from dead last to number two. It's one of the biggest improvements I've ever seen. So it was a big, big improvement. And uh, so, you know, two weeks ago, I mean, they got 87 buy signals, 87 buy signals in two weeks. That's pretty phenomenal. So, um, you know, I, first of all, it, it's crazy because, you know, here here we see in energy is now ranked as high in the dynamic asset level investing sector as it was in July of 2007 and 2008, which was the high that I can remember. OK, so. Um, very interesting, very, very interesting scenario. I was looking at a lot of the uh, the different energy funds and, and ETFs. And, uh, you know, look, the XLE, which is the Energy uh, Select Spider, uh, was, you know, was down, is still down 37% for the year. But since, you know, in April, it's up 30%. So th those are some of the things you got to think about. You know, it's not, you know... Uh, did I get killed all year? The question is, where to go from here? So I looked at all the major uh, market ETFs this week, and, and a lot of them had positive momentum for four or five weeks. The Dow's still negative, though. Uh, most of the emerging markets are negative. The only things that are positive are the mid-cap, uh, 400, uh, 
the QQQs and the and the S&P 500s and the XLG. So it's large cap stocks that are really doing most of the work, uh, which makes me, you know, um, you'd like to, like I always tell you, you need the foot soldiers to be involved, okay? You just need them to be involved. So, uh, you know, look, we're entering May, which is seasonally, you know, starts a seasonality problem for the stock market. You know, uh, May to All Souls Day are usually is, a, is kind of a tough scenario. Now, one of the areas that works fairly well during that period, like I said earlier in the show, is low volatility. So uh, you want to you wanna lower your beta. Uh, by the way, the other thing that I've always had good luck with in the summertime is uh, biotechnology stocks and, and, and small cap healthcare. So we'll see what happens. But I looked at a lot of the ETFs on the, the low volatility ETFs and they look pretty good. Uh, you know, I looked at the sector changes and, and uh, wow, what, you know, last year we couldn't get above 11. Here we have the market going up every day and we couldn't get above 11. I knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong. I even said that we'd have a melt up, which we did. So I was right on that. So uh, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 favored sectors this week. So there's some above uh, 74 is gaming and restaurants. want to wait on those. I'm only talking about favored sectors because that's where your money should be. Autos, mostly Tesla. <laughs> Real estate, housing, and semiconductors are at 70. At 64 are force and paper products, business products, software, building, and leisure. At 58 is internet, retail, electronics, computers, and chemicals. At 50, this is probably a pretty good place to be looking, transportation, healthcare, aerospace, food. At 50, which is even a better place, Non-ferrous metals, drugs, biotechnology, precious metals, and protection services. At 45, oil services. Who would have believed that they were they were 10 just a month ago? Electric utilities and oil. And then at 35 is uh, telephones, uh, mostly telephone communication services. So you want to look at those. But uh, kind of a big, big move on the part of a lot of these things. Uh, big, big move. So uh, we'll just... Leave it at that, okay? Uh, especially the oil group. Uh, also, biotechnology seems to be holding its own, and so does in healthcare and drugs. So, and like I said, I think that's a group that's uh, paying attention. Now, we did steel and banking were unfavored just last week. They moved, they're getting closer to average. Insurance and gas utilities, which were favored, moved down. Uh, financials moved up to average, which is, you know, believe me, the financials, but JP Morgan, whew, from 148 to down to 82, and uh, now it's 90, some change. Favorite sectors are oil services this week, building, uh, forest and paper products, autos, housing, and then in the most favorite sector is oil. There we go again, huh? So internationally, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking at things, and, and um, I, I just, I, I guess, you know, I, I look at internationally the same as domestic is. I think low volatility works better. Uh, so you, you might... Combine a low volatility, uh, you know, scenario with some uh, momentum type uh, ETFs or some momentum stocks. Uh, that's up to you. Uh, but usually, you know, internationally or domestically, you know, low. Uh, you're looking at, you know, basically you want to stay with low volatility. As far as the 10-year yield is concerned, you know, 0.55 percent uh, is is an area that if we break. Uh, Look, when yields go down, you got to be thinking about the economy. Why are they going down? Okay, uh, and people are going out to junk bonds, which I guess is okay. Uh, and, and you know, junk bonds. Um, you know what you can do with junk bonds, which might might you know the ETFs is buy the ETF, and some of them have five six percent yields. Now they have a little bit of uh, 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 leverage, so you got to be careful there. But then write the calls on them. Okay, so oil. Finally, went positive after 19 weeks of being negative. Went positive this week. Gold continues to be positive, although you got to be careful with gold because uh, right at the moment, because I think there's some countries out there that have a lot of gold in their systems, in their banks, and they're hurting. So they might have to sell some gold. Uh, so you want to be careful there, okay? Uh, natural gas broke out this week. Uh, it broke a one, two, three, five. Quintuple top at a dollar ninety-five and broke its downtrend line at the same time. So, look what the Fed's doing here is very, very inflation-oriented. Uh, 
And since the Commodity Research Bureau has gone from a new high in, in 2009 to uh, a low we haven't seen since 1959, I would think commodity inflation would be a good place. So commodities might be the next group that we look for. Who knows? But relative strength uh, changes, these are, are, are important. Uh, relative strength is, is, is important all the time, so you want to write these names down. These are going to a buy signal. Alliance Data Corp., they got killed. Uh, Tivity, Becton Roofing, uh, Tolaris, California Amplifier, Cons, Exbit, Escalade, Hawaiian Holdings, Halliburton, Dine Equity, Green Plains, Delic Holdings, Alibero Pharmaceuticals, AVO Pharmaceuticals, uh, Chef's Warehouse, Angie's List, Fiesta Restaurant, Itron, Golden Entertainment, Magellan Health, Marine Pop, uh, uh, Products, Penn Gaming, they have that new online uh, gambling, Coppers, NGL Energy, Rambus, Red Robin uh, Gourmet Burgers, Scientific Games, Williams-Sonoma, which is a name I haven't seen for a while, Wintrust, Simprest, Radnet, Rosetta Stone, SS Technologies, Regional Management Corporation, Aventor, which is in biotechnology, Enlight, which is uh, interesting, La Jolla Pharmaceuticals, Diamond, Diamond Energy, Taylor Morrison Homes, and uh, Constellatum, and Remax. We'll be right back with Insider. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. You know, this is the part of the show where we talk about insiders. And why do we talk about insiders? It's because they know more than we do. <laughs> as simple as that. Now, we look for big insider buys. We're not looking for the little stuff. We're looking for big insider buys or multiple buys. And what you got to know about insiders is they're notoriously early. Notoriously early. So uh, here, here's a few names. So first of all, this is not really an inside, but the, the DuPont Foundation, which you know used to run the money for the DuPont company, I just noticed took a large position in Facebook and Berkshire. And I'm not sure which, it, which Berkshire Hathaway it was, the A or B, but uh, they were both you know 2% positions for the company. That's a lot of money. Believe me, the DuPont uh, people have a lot. Uh, also, uh, AGNC Investment Corp., which is a REIT. The CEO, CIO, and director, Gary Kane, bought $2.3 million, uh, um, we'll just call it $2.4 million worth of stock, and and, uh, you like seeing that. Uh, Also, uh, Univar Solutions, which is uh, in the chemical business, they're uh, uh, CFO, and you like to have the numbers guys buy, folks. You love to have the numbers guys buy. Uh, He bought $3.3 million, bought 250,000 shares. So uh, a couple other names, Cullen Frost, regional banker. Uh, the uh, director, uh, Graham Weston, bought $1.9 million worth. Uh, also, the GEO Group, which is a healthcare facilities REIT, uh, the CEO and chairman bought $1.6 million. And William Boyd, a Boyd Gaming uh, Group, uh, bought $1.6 million worth. Uh, we haven't seen him around. Oh, I forgot. Also, uh, George Zoli of, uh, bought another uh, $1.1 million about three days later of the GEO Group. So that's a, that's a REIT that's in the... Um, uh, healthcare business, so you, you want to pay attention. And then James Farley, Chief Operating Officer of Ford, bought a million dollars worth. A couple other names, FB Bank, a lot of regional bank buys here. Uh, one buyer, uh, Executive Chairman, uh, bought a million dollars worth. And then Chubb, uh, Bob Scully, uh, bought, he's a director, bought a million dollars worth. ITW, uh, which has been a you know the chairman, um, Ernie Scott, uh, I'm sorry, Ernie Santi, Ernie Scott Santi, bought a million dollars worth. Uh, we also had Oval Rock Capital Corporation, where the uh, president and CEO bought uh, another million dollars worth. A couple other, uh, we had uh, Boston Properties. The CEO there bought uh, uh, a big chunk, and a director bought a million dollars worth. Markel, which is a pretty high-priced stock, but uh, the, we had a director buy 830. Philip Frost. At Opco, so here's a little two dollar stock, and he continues to buy a ton of it. Uh, and he just bought another eight hundred thousand shares. I think I think he owns thirty percent of the company. That's kind of interesting. A um, couple other names we saw that you know we'll just mention. We see we're seeing a lot of REITs, 
Annaling Mortgage, we had a guy buy $600,000 worth. Uh, th- these are all financials, by the way. Discovery Financial, uh, another buyer of half a million dollars worth. Um, you know, uh, but by the way, we had another guy, uh, ITW, buy another $250,000 worth. Uh, he is uh, a director. So we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, small banks, uh, you know, quarter million here, quarter million there. Another guy at Annaling Mortgage, 119. Uh, so Jack Schuler at, at Accelerated Diagnostics owns 14% of the company, bought another uh, 10,800 shares or something like that. But a lot of banks, Northfield Bank Corp, uh, you know, uh, Barrett Credit, uh, Credit Services. We had uh, Boston Private Financial, you know, a lot of uh, 100,000, 200,000 share buys in that area. Uh, also, Vox, uh, you know, you don't know them, they should, but there's a 10% owner, uh, Barik Kali, who just bought another $476,000 worth. Uh, you like seeing, you know, guys that own 10% buying more. And Marvell, now this is a pretty big play on uh, uh, 5G. Uh, the CEO bought $145,000. Uh, Vice President bought $33,000. These are shares now. Uh, the COO bought $30,000, and the Vice President and uh, Chief Financial Officer bought forty-three-five. Uh, those are big chunks of change, about $26 stock. And then Genesea, this was a biotech that went from like a dollar to like 11 a while back. I, I kind of participated in that one. Um, the CEO bought 50000 and five others bought between twelve and 25000 uh, uh, just uh, about three, four days ago. So you kind of like to see that. Uh, you know, that, that's one that, you know, uh, could be explosive if uh, something, ha- you know, this good news comes out. A lot of people short. That's why I'm saying this could be explosive. But it's you know it's uh, Vegas money. It's not for widows or orphans. And Peloton, Woodson Capital, uh, they they own a lot. They bought five million dollars more. So uh, you like you like to see uh, guys uh, you know when they own a, a ton of something to buy a, a ton more. So Peloton has been doing great this year, by the way. And then uh, Horizon Pharmaceuticals, we had eight guys buy twelve thousand. Uh, Shares, uh, it's, you know, it's about a sixty-dollar stock, and one and the CEO by thirty-four thousand shares. So uh, that's a lot of lot of cash. <laughs> and so you know, you just want to uh, make sure that you uh, pay particular attention to those, uh, simply because of the fact that uh, you know, it, like I said, insiders are early, but they usually know something's up. Now, you know, look, we had the Dow in a kind of a you know, a, a wedge pattern, and it broke down out of that, and then it broke back up. And so it's been kind of hard figuring out what the heck's going on here. But, you know, uh, you know, we've had the bullish respect turn several times. Bob Dickey actually redrew some trend lines on some of his charts this week, which I, I was uh, absolutely in shock about. Uh, but that's the way it is. Sometimes, you know, you've you got to um, redraw trend lines and, you know, I just keep in the back of my mind, and I, I you know, I, I hope everybody uh, remembers this because I think it's important. Um, you know, people have to understand that uh, th- there is, uh, in the back of my mind, the value stocks are below where they were in 2000. Boy, did they make a move from 2000 to 2008. Um, but there we go. Anyway, so now what I think we have done is we've got, uh, you know, like 2,300 is now uh, a support area uh, where we thought 21,000 was before. So the stock market decline and bounce has divided the trends of individual stocks into like three main patterns. Uh, And it it could be offering a clue for future trends. Most of the stocks sold off very sharply in March and recovered to a various degree. We believe those stocks that moved up to new highs are close have the best relative strength and are probably going to continue. The stronger issues are generally in tech and healthcare and a few issues from other groups that are performing well. Another group of stocks has bounced about halfway, pretty much in line with the indexes. We see that likely to continue to track more closely with the, you know, the market averages. Remember, the Dow and the S&P are still down 15%, okay? Uh, and then there is the stocks that have a bounce to a lesser degree from their lows, and we think the risk of seeing new lows in the markets uh, pullbacks again uh, are probably pretty good, all right? So, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where I really think you have to, you know, pay close attention. So, look, um, I'll go over this again. Uh, you know, large-cap stocks have done better than small-cap stocks. 
and I, I think we're very overbought and we're softening here. So uh, I, I would be, you know, in my opinion, I, I think you should be careful coming up. But look, I think there's some, uh, we've talked about these several times, and I think we're going to make a major bottom somewhere here, but I think it's going to be a lot worse than the, the next move down will be probably a little bit worse than people anticipated, but it won't go to a new low. But there's five or six themes. 5G is very important. I don't know if you've been watching CNBC, but some of those guys that are filming in look like they're on Super 8. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Super 8, but I'm old enough to. Touchless technology. Nobody wants to touch anything anymore. Family and pets. My crazy wife ordered another Labrador Retriever. We're getting, we're getting them tomorrow for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everybody, by the way. So we're going to have two big, huge yellow labs eventually in this house. Uh, Gunner and Sully, by the way, will be the names. So family and pets are important. Uh, you know, and I think telemedicine, health and wellness, uh, stay at home. I think 5 to 20% of the employees aren't coming back. So, uh, you know, those are the things I think are pretty good uh, th things to look at. Medical devices, too, okay? Anyway, what would I do? WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcast down to uh, Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show, you can go to my webpage. On my webpage, Insights, hit the Insights. By the way, contact is right there, so if you want to talk to me, have a cup of coffee. Uh, you can't have a cup of coffee unless we stand about 20 feet from each other. Uh, you want to have a, a phone conversation, uh, hit the contact. But there's a lot of stuff there. There's a great piece on oil. There's a great piece on the CARE Act. There's a great interview with our biotech analyst. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, you can also ask for the, our Credit access, you know, our credit access line has a book called the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. We have the Family Inventory Kit, the Business Owner's Guide, Dividend Growth Portfolio. You can't fake dividends. The Prime Income List, you can't fake dividends. For those of you retired, the Prime in Income List is yielding about 4.5%, 5%. The Dividend Growth Portfolio is looking for companies to grow their dividend between 6 and 10% a year. Those are great places to be right now. Trust me on that. Uh, look, uh, it's Mother's Day, so uh, to all the mothers out there, uh, all the sisters, mothers, uh, we all have them. You guys are the greatest. Uh, you know, uh, my mother's gone, but my wife is still here, fortunately, and her mother's here, so we're going to try to celebrate the best we possibly can. In my case, I'm getting a Labrador puppy. Oh, I'm crazy. Anyway, this is the Smart Investor Show. Uh, it's Mother's Day. Make, make your mom breakfast in bed, send her some flowers. In the meantime, remember, buy low, sell high. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.